I'm responsible for 19 of the 20 top grossing spoilers of all time. This is the Flix X-Raid podcast, starting in 5, 4... Welcome to Flex X Raid. I'm your host, Tony, and tonight I am joined by my hetero life mate, Corey, as the co-host. Bong. <laughs> <laughs> and to my left, I have Stoner Prophet Natasha. What up? And to my left, I have the Jason Muse, Joe. Snoogans. <laughs> Snoogans. <laughs> and we are joined uh, from the other side of the continent by uh, the Buddy Christ Paul from the Blokebusters podcast. Hey, hey, hey. Hi, Paul. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for coming from South America. <laughs> That's another continent. No, he's, he's just South America. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and tonight we're going to be talking about dogma. But before we uh, do that, let's take a moment to get to know our guests. And uh, Paul, why don't you tell us a little bit about your podcast? Sure. So my main podcast is the Blokebusters podcast. And it started in 2012 with a friend of mine who liked to talk about films. So we decided to make a podcast about films. And it's just been uh, been that ever since, really. It's, it's kind of cool. It's normally two of us. Um, my co-host that started it is on a sabbatical for an indefinite period of time. So it's been a little less frequent recently, but I try and get other people on to talk about stuff. I... I even had your good self on recently uh, to talk about yes, did. Uh, Jane and Silent Bob reboot. So, yeah, it's it kind of an eclectic mix of sort of new stuff, because I have a three-year-old, I don't get the chance to go to cinema too often. And, uh, <laughs> and then just kind of nostalgic stuff or uh, Netflix things. So it's it, kind of fun. I enjoy it. <laughs> and I hope everyone else does too. That's why I love podcasts that people can just like, hey, I enjoy movies or I enjoy video games. And they're like, hey, let's just make a podcast where we sit, take time out of our day, just sit, sitting around and talk about movies. That's my favorite thing. That's Dude. exactly what we're doing. Like how know, meta. So great. <laughs> Did we just become best friends? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the question of the night to get to know uh, all of us a little bit better. The question is, uh, did you go to church as a child or currently? Uh, so we'll start with Natasha, or do you want to throw to Joe? She's she's pointing across the table. <laughs> we'll start with Joe. Joe, did you go to church as a kid? A little. I remember going to Sunday school as a kid, and even a little bit of the religious instruction in school. But I don't remember how long either one was, and did I retain anything from it? No. Super sinner. That's what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Paul. What about yourself? Um, well, the appropriate answer would be hell no. Um, <laughs> I, yes, I grew up, uh, in England and my parents were not religious. They didn't push one thing or another. It was entirely up to us to choose whatever our path would be. And I had religious education at school. So, you know, all, all through the year we would have one lesson a week where we learned about the five major religions and some of the stuff from there. 
And my takeaway from all that was, well, none of this makes any sense. So that's kind of where I landed. So yeah, I, I never really went to to church outside of, I think, three weddings. That's about it. <laughs> all right, Natasha. Well, this is awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I did my when my grandfather passed away my parents became born again christians and so we went to church a lot and then that lasted until i was maybe 14 and then i said fuck that i'm out (laughs) and then um well i now work at a church i do food services at a church and harangue volunteers and um yeah it pays the bills while i'm in school so i mean you know there's that (laughs) you didn't get you know yeah, it's a good time. Corey? Um, my parents were the same way as Paul's. They were they kind of didn't want to push anything on me kind of thing. Like, they, my mom grew up going to church and stuff like that, but she just wanted it to be our own choice. Um, when I was a kid, though, we used to go visit my auntie, who they went to church every Sunday. So every, every time we visit them at Christmas time, we'd go to Sunday school. And I just felt weird because they'd always separate the kids from the parents. And I'm like, I don't know any of these kids. And it's like... We're just sitting down here coloring and stuff. But I went to Bible camp, and that was pretty fun. So, And there's cool songs. That's fair. Um, yeah. I mean, I, More I, agnostic I do now than anything. also work at a Bible camp. I've been trying to uh, recruit your beautiful wife to come help me cook out there. I know. <laughs> Gotta send her out. Right? Um, see, I actually had a, a weird one where it's like my parents didn't really push it until I got caught stealing once when I was young. <laughs> And <laughs> you bad boy. Well, um, and then my mom was like, that's it. You're going to church. And that lasted about like six months. And, the, and that was this uh, boy needs Jesus. It. And then kick him up. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And you I know sh- what? I stole Pokemon games. <gasps> that's yeah. actually what it was. <laughs> I guess some things have, have not changed. <laughs> no, right. Still steal them Pokemon games. I mean, what? Yeah. Can't prove nothing. And I should confirm that my parents, uh, not religious either so i don't know i came from a small community and a farm and i don't know whether sunday school was just kind of the thing to do because everybody else <laughs> was doing it where is everybody oh right that big building over there let's go over there maybe my friends were in there and i didn't want to get left behind or who knows what it was <laughs> but uh no there was no uh religious upbringing in my house necessitated all oh, that. My parents would say, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, a lot, but it's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Paul, you were saying. Uh, I was just going to say, I find it hysterical that as a result of you getting caught stealing, they sent you to church because at least until relatively recently, the number one stolen book from libraries across the world was the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I like that fact. Which is weird because most churches actually give Bibles away for free. No, you literally just have to walk down and go, uh, I'd like a Bible. And they're like, please take five. Give them to your friends. <laughs> <laughs> or a hotel desk drawer or something. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So it's time for a synopsis and starring. Corey, hit us up with a synopsis. Okay. I pre-read it. Just to make sure there was no weird words for there that I couldn't pronounce. Not right. ejaculated. Yeah. <laughs> Two fallen angels who were ejected from paradise find themselves banned in Wisconsin. They are now headed for New Jersey, where they find a loophole that can th- get them back into heaven. The only catch is that it will destroy humanity. A, a group bands together to stop them. This movie is directed by Kevin Smith, and is starring Linda Fio- Fioriento, I'm terrible with names, as Bethany, 
Matt Damon. Matt Damon. As Loki. <laughs> ben Affleck as Bartleby. Alan Rickman as Metatron. Jason Lee as Azrael. Chris Rock as Rufus, the 13th Apostle. Selma Hayek as Serendipity. Jason Mewes as Jay. And Kevin Smith as Silent Bob. Yes. Yes. Movie. All right. And so now it's time for us to play a game. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, it's a game. A game specifically tailored for each participant. Let's have some fun. Yeah, let's have some fun. Ladies, start your enjeans. I'm having a blast. This is the most fun I've had without lubricant. So you played recently a game of drums. <laughs> oh, it's a game. Gentlemen, start your enjeans. <laughs> All right. So uh, the game we're going to be playing is uh, release year for Kevin Smith movies. So all you guys are going to get a guess, and we're going to go around in a circle, uh, and you have to guess what year the movie came out. I have no fucking idea. It'll be a uh, two options. Oh Jesus! Fifty percent chance of. I need Jesus. I don't know. (laughs) I don't even know what year it is now. You need Buddy Christ. (laughs) Buddy Christ, help me. So who did who do we decide goes first? first? Uh, we'll get Paul to go first, but, but I'll uh, I'll give an example just so everyone understands how it works. Uh, so, for example, this movie itself, Dogma, did it come out in 1997 or 1999? Paul, um, hmm, that is a very no good Googling. question. Yes, mm, not stolen for time at all. <laughs> uh, let's go with 99. 99, Natasha. 97. Joe. 99. I think it's 99 now that I've said it. It's going to be <laughs> fucking 99, isn't it's it? It's 99. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> Too late. You're locked in. Damn it. All right. So that's how this is going to work. final answer? No. Um, so all you guys will get a chance, and then I will tally up who gets the most right at the end. So here we go. First one is Clerks. 1994 or 1996? Natasha starting us off. 94. 94. Joe? I agree. Paul. Okay, I didn't have to hear the two options. 94 or 96? Ooh, um, 94. Oh, you get a point. Woo, woo. Where the points don't matter. <laughs> this that one does. <laughs> All right, next up. Tusk. Did it come out in 2014 or 2016? Oscar winning movie. <laughs> Should have been. <laughs> I still haven't seen this one, actually. I haven't seen Tusk either. Am I first? Joe. I was going to be like, am I first? Sorry. Like, why are y'all looking at me? Stop looking at me. 14. All right. Joe says 14. Paul? I'm going to go with 16. 16 for Paul. Natasha? I'm going to go 2014 as well. 14? Yeah. All right. Joe and Natasha get the uh, points. Ooh. Ooh. Sorry, Paul. It's okay. All right. Next movie. Red State, 2009 or 2011? Which one was Red State? The cultist, kind of like... Uh, yeah, it's a cult movie that he yeah. did. And not like a cult movie, it's about a cult. Why didn't... I was Pretty just good. asking you last it. night about, about cult movies. <laughs> How did you forget this one? I don't know. Okay, what were the options? Uh, sorry, 2009 and 2011. Paul, you're starting us off. I feel like it was 2011. Okay. I Natasha. agree. Okay, Joe. Say nine. Natasha and Paul with the points. Yay. 
I mean, I'm 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 unbiased. Who are you rooting for here, Corey? <laughs> I don't know. Just, usually, I'm on the other side of the table, be, trying to beat you right. with these. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Next up, Jersey Girl, 2004 or 2006. Natasha. Mm, I'm gonna say 2004. 2004. Joe. They same. Same. Paul. I do think it was 2004. Yay, you all get points. Everybody. Back on track. Okay, Paul might have a little bit of an advantage on this one. Oh, Jesus. Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back. 2001 or 2003? Joe's starting us off. 2001. Paul? 2001. Natasha? I'm going to (laughs) agree. Because I don't know. That is correct. Everybody gets point. I was praying that Joe would go, or Paul would go first. <laughs> or right. me. Come on. Yeah. Nah, I, wanna, I would trust Paul. <laughs> well. right. He doesn't have a shifty face like you do. The whole table we don't know, know what his face that. looks like. It could be shifting right now. All right, next up. Zach and Miriam make a porno. I love this one. 2006 or 2008. I'm doing the Dutch rudder right now. Paul starting us off. What, Joe? <laughs> um... I'm going to say 2008. 2008. I'm also going to say 2008. Not because Paul said 2008. <laughs> <laughs> and and Joe? I nod in agreement. Yay. All of you get it right. <laughs> okay. Clerks 2. 2004 oh, or 2006? Natasha. 2004. 2004? Joe. Six. Six? Paul? 2006. It is 2006. Damn it! Woo! Natasha has uh, lost her lead. You guys are all tied now. Son of a bitch. Next up, Chasing Amy. 1995 or 1997? Joe? He's really pondering on this one. He says 97. Paul? 97. I'm going to say 95. She's wrong. Damn it. <laughs> Joe and Paul are still tied and just took the lead. I see how it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next film. Cop Out. 2010 or 2012? What the fuck is Cop Out? It's uh, Kevin Cop Hart out. and... Uh, no, it's not Kevin Tracy Hart. Morgan. Tracy Morgan Bruce and Willis. Bruce Willis. Oh. Oh. I own it. It's not great. <laughs> okay, what were the options? Uh, 2010 or 2012? And Paul is starting us off. Ooh, um, I'm going to say 2010. Okay, Natasha. 2010 or 2012? 2010 as well. Okay. Joe. I'll buy that. Man, you guys are just like, yep, we're all going to agree on this. <laughs> so you all get a point. Safety in numbers. Now, now, if I'd been asked first, I still might have said that. All right, next up, Yoga Hosers. Yoga Hosers. 2014 or 2016? Natasha. 2016. 2016. Joe. She's pretty confident. Yeah. Wasn't she? Uh, Maybe that's a tactic. (laughs) It's a (laughs) trick. It's a trap. I'll say the same. Joe says the same. Paul? The same. The same? Y'all get a point. Woo! 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 Hey! Next film. Yeah, girl. Mole Rats. 1995 or 1997? Joe. 
95? I agree. I think it's 95. And Paul? It's 95. It is 1995. So Joe and Paul... Paul. 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 Uh, tie that up. Uh, so you, congratulations, you guys. The first game's a tie. You both got 10 points. So the tiebreaker is when is Kevin Smith's next movie to come out? <laughs> Dick move. <laughs> Take a guess, and we'll get back to you on who, who got it, get it right. 2022? I mean, I he did he, say that he was... He's working on He-Man right now, I think. Is he? Yeah. yeah oh, for the animated series for oh. Netflix. Okay, fine. Then maybe 2025. For Mallrats 2, y'all. <laughs> I'm going to say 23. That might, that might still be a thing. <laughs> He's going to say 23. All right. So we'll know in a couple of years who was right on that one. I'm not even in the running. I lost. So, like, you don't have to worry about me on that. <laughs> <coughs> All right, so Joe, why don't you start us off with uh, your two-sentence impression of uh, Dogma, since you worked so hard crafting it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, um, is this part of the sentence? Well, um, <laughs> comma. That's one sentence, right? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. One sentence done, one more to go. Um, I guess my two-sentence impression would be, is there a first church of George Carlin and... <laughs> If so, how do I apply? Okay, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you could be like the new uh, cardinal. <laughs> there you go, <laughs> Paul. Mm, let's see. And no, that is not the first sentence. <laughs> 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 okay, so my two sentence impression is: I feel like a prequel with with Loki. Would be fun. And <laughs> and now I just realized I can't end that sentence and then start the second one really easily. Um, okay, so I, f I feel like I'd like to see a prequel with Loki. Full stop. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it would be fun. <laughs> Full stop. Yeah, yeah. Bartleby's, however, would be insanely boring. <laughs> It'd be just him whining the entire time. And Natasha. Nataha. Oh, was that your second sentence? That was my there? second sentence. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure. Okay. Okay, full uh, stop. Full stop. <laughs> okay, I just I wasn't sure. Just wanna make sure before I just like you unleash me to do these things. Okay, so I think this is a tongue in cheek look at religion as a whole. Mm -hmm. Done by somebody who obviously was raised in a Catholic home. Or, or at least had Catholic education, which Kevin Smith did confirm that he did go to a Catholic school yes. growing up. So this is basically on point with what you would learn at a Catholic school. That's very fair. I enjoyed it. Corey, do you have one for us? Another a view, a skew of view movie. Mm-hmm. Which is pointed at religion, period. <laughs> and deep dive into theology as a whole and how we view faith. Nice. Thanks. Full stop. Full stop. <laughs> there you go. Pulled, it, pulled it out of the ashes. Yep. <laughs> the ashes. <laughs> <laughs> it was going down. <coughs> I'm yelling timber. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk about this then. Uh, I want to start off by talking about George Carlin, especially since Joe brought it up. Rest in peace. Yes. R.I.P. Yeah. Pour one out. Uh, he is. <laughs> Put my drink down, you <laughs> piece of shit. I'll come for you. 
<laughs> I will come for you. So what do you guys think of George Carlin's role, kind of book uh, bookending this film a little bit? Because he's at the beginning, he's at the end, he's not really in the middle. I like seeing him in anything. Anytime I hear his gruff old man voice, just it makes me happy. And the fact that, that he does these movies that are kind of like super silly. Like these are fun, like they, they represent him as like stoner comedies, but like there's some deep thoughts in here too. But like I like just him popping in dropping like a little thing of wisdom and like kind of doing his whole thing and getting out i like it yeah like i read that uh, carlin was an atheist and i thought that was kind of interesting to accept a role in a movie like that but perfect guy to bookend it i mean his comedy was a lot like his character in the movie he's just kind of preaching to the masses and he has his own view and his own take on things and this is just getting to hear more of him at the best at what he did yeah. right well and i also know george carlin did make a lot of jokes about religion when it came to like his stand-up so i thought this was actually a really fitting role where it kind of like pokes fun of it quite respectfully i might add like this is kind of like in line with like book of mormon where it's like hilarious and it's like you know some people might be like oh like can they even get away with that but dogma does a really good job of actually staying still quite respectful to the religion itself and just playing with the like the mythology of it that's fair. Paul, what about yourself, George Carlin? Yeah, I mean, uh, just piggybacking on what you just said, like I was going to bring up Book of Mormon because yeah, George Carlin was an atheist, and I do like how the word jokes definitely had a question mark when you were saying it. <laughs> but, uh, um, but yeah, he's playing this role. He's not necessarily making fun of the church like he's just playing this particular role with the same reverence that Book of Mormon does because obviously they're insane and over the top but there's no point where they're explicitly just ripping into Mormonism in that and it's kind of the same here like it it's really fun to see him in it and it actually re-watching this it made me genuinely sad that he's not going to be in Bill and Ted 3 oh amen yeah They'll have a nice big statue of him at some point. Oh, there, there's going to be something. They well, have he to. also did play a really good caricature of, like, the Cardinals. Like, I really appreciated it, okay? I'm really... Like, I'm not Catholic, but, like, I know the caricature of a Cardinal, and, like, George Carlin just, like, brought that to life for me. Like, I thoroughly mm-hmm. enjoyed that. Yeah, and, and he was uh, he was playing it you know, kind of, you know, not trying to poke any fun at all at organized religion but it's a business like and that's how he's running <laughs> he's like we yeah, need to get bums and seats, seats. Yeah. yep catholicism wow that was the slogan right <laughs> catholicism wow <laughs> wow <laughs> as we all become owen wilson <laughs> <laughs> okay but like let's be real though like every organized religion has those pushes right like yes i don't see them as much with the catholicism as they do with more like protestantism protestant whatever anyways <laughs> words are hard words are hard but like i just that idea it's always interesting because i get it i get like the business side of it but i also know that it comes from a place where they're just trying to like spread the word of god which is what they're do the great commission blah 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 whatever right like that's their job to do it and i actually have to commend that like the idea like the principle of what he was trying to do and make religion a little bit more accessible friendlier instead of the like because i'm sorry but like i could never be catholic because of the guilt 
but the aesthetic is quite pleasing. Okay. Like hashtag do it for the aesthetic, but like, <laughs> I just could never, I could never be Catholic because I already have enough guilt and shame in my life. I don't need more of it. But I always liked the idea of, well, like my brief understanding of what Catholicism is, is the fact that you can go as long as you repent and let God in your heart, like you can be washed of your sins. And like the idea of those old, like the movie version, obviously of like the old fathers who were drunk and like kind of like misanthropic towards the world and stuff, but because they still had their faith, it was kind of like, okay, kind of thing. I like that idea. Like there's the, but the sins of the church is, are are quite real. Oh yeah. Um, Definitely for that. You know, and especially the idea of buying penance is another thing that was really like, (laughs) that was when Protestant kind of became its own thing was that they took um, an issue with the fact that the Catholicism was allowing people to purchase And then they could be, they could do whatever they wanted. Like the idea with Catholicism is that it is about the rituals. It is about confession. It's about the Hail Marys. It's about, you know, taking communion. It's all about the rituals. And if you don't do the rituals, you're not like you you just can't get into heaven. Whereas and that that's where kind of like Protestantism kind of like branches off because to them, it's all about a personal relationship with God. Right. So Good, like, and that's why I could own like this story could only work with Catholicism because the idea that they could go through this arch and come out and be morally clean is a very Catholic idea. Yeah. So it couldn't work with anything else. Well, they even poked fun at it. I'm pretty sure one of the lines is, "Of course, the Catholics would re- destroy the universe." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that got a good like laugh out loud moment from me in the movie. <laughs> every time it gets a good laugh. Every out loud. <laughs> time, every time, because it is hashtag true. You know, and I even like what he's doing with the Buddy Christ. I always want to get, like, an actual Buddy Christ statue. You can. You no, just no. got to go to the View Askew Secret Stash store online. Plug. I mean, what? It's been <laughs> in my cart several times, and then I'm like, I can't I can't justify the expense. Just to put on my dashboard. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, please tell me there's one of those things that you can hang from your rearview mirror. Just a little Buddy Christ dangling there. <laughs> yeah. He has actually designed to sit on your dashboard. That's awesome. Yep. So, I mean, you know, if you ever want one, they're, they're, it's there. With you the can finger take gun. Jesus with you everywhere you go. I seriously love the pose, the wink and the finger gun. Yeah. <laughs> got to mimic that every chance you got. <laughs> if Christ, Buddy Christ can do it, I can do it. <laughs> yeah, get him on your dashboard, then an air freshener that smells like the shit demon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> just No, just have a three-year-old. Hey! hey! Sorry, true. guys. Also very true. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Actually, I really like the shit demon. Um, in prep for this one, I watched... Uh, so the DVD we have has two commentaries on it. It has a cast commentary, which is all about the comedi- comedy and uh, like the actors just shooting the shit. But then they have a technical commentary where it's like the producer, Kevin Smith, and like uh, one of their art directors talking about like all the stuff and the stuff that went into the shit demons ridiculous oh Please, really like tell me i would like to know this all right so the prop crew got so excited at the mere <laughs> idea of there being a shit demon that they pre-made the barrels of shit and so in their warehouse they had <laughs> oh, like no. 10 drums of fake shit oh, <laughs> right that that were just in drums except for because it, w- it wasn't being filmed till much later then they pre-made this stuff and it sat back there. It eventually exploded because the pressure built up in it. <laughs> oh, boy. 
and they also had gotten so excited that they'd experimented. So there wasn't just like the one consistency. <laughs> they were like, well, what if we had diarrhea or what if we had like baby shit? And so they had all these drums of like different consistencies of shit <laughs> <laughs> that exploded in the back of their warehouse. Imagine <laughs> being the janitor that day, just cleaning. <laughs> He's like, ah, oh, I did a good job today. Puts his mop down. So, He's like, what just happened? <laughs> somebody, somebody brewing beer here or something? Uh-oh. <laughs> what the actual fuck? And apparently they actually made it smell. Oh, great. Of course they did. That sounds like a Kevin Smith movie thing. Like, I'm not surprised. That, I'm, I'm surprised they didn't just actually just shit in oil. <laughs> <laughs> Who's to say they didn't? That's a biohazard. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the idea that they come in the next day after it's exploded and they see the carnage <laughs> and on top of, oh, no, what happened is just like, yeah, we did a good job. All right, let's make it again. <laughs> <laughs> this is perfect. We know it works now. <laughs> but I like I have to really I like <coughs> the mythology behind that because a lot of the st- Okay, so like when it comes to the actual Bible, it actually only says so much. And and the Catholics like to like make art and they like to to expand upon things and that's where like the other angel names besides the main 3 came from is more from Catholicism art and like other things, right? So for me, I think it's really creative to like take something, the concept of like when you die and your bowels release and let's make that into a motherfucking demon. Yeah. Like I have to appreciate that kind of creativity. I would never have thought of that in a million years. I just even like it's it's how they intro it is so cool because, you know, you have the muse explaining so much about like, you know, the rest of the movie and she's she's doing this big exposition moment, right? And rather than just having the thing like blast through the door, it's like it's queued up to certain lines. And then she's like, you know, at one point she says, wake up and the eyes pop open. Right. Yeah. And it's like, come on, don't you think that stinks? And he like, you know, erupts from the toilet. And <laughs> it's like, you know, they do such a good job of like that. Not only her delivering exposition, but this shit demon coming into existence. You know, while Jay and Silent Bob are being like, you know, initiated into a gang. The Bloods. And now they're like the only surviving members of the Bloods. <laughs> uh, sort of. Of that chapter. Of, of, that, of chapter. that particular group. <laughs> we don't know. They could be the only chapter. Boys night out at the strip club. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just like the idea that it's actually canon that Jane, Son, and Bob are Bloods. <laughs> <laughs> I just like that there's so many like high caliber actors in here. Like, like Alan Rickman and like Selma Hayek, who's been in a lot of like uh, Spanish-speaking films and everything like that. She's and then, stunning. She's beautiful. She is stu- She is amazing. And then we have a shit demon. <laughs> Kevin Smith's like writes all this dialogue. He's like, yeah, there's gonna be a shit demon in this scene. He's like, what? Imagine pitching that to her <laughs> yeah. too. You're a stripper, okay, but you're also a muse. And then a shit demon's gonna come out. <laughs> Actually, he didn't want to cast her because he, uh, he thought she was too highbrow for it. Really? And she fought to be in this. Oh, my um, God. God bless um, her. It's, awesome. it's like Chris Rock actually paid to be a part of it. What? Uh, yeah. So uh, apparently they wanted Chris Rock, but then they weren't going to be able to have Chris Rock. So they had, I think it was somebody else. And I can't remember who it is now off the top of my head. Somebody else was lined up for it. Uh, I think it was. I'm just trying to go off memory here. And I think it was Will Smith um, was supposed to be. Rufus. Okay, I mean, I guess. Right, but then he couldn't do it, and they really wanted Chris Rock, but Chris Rock was dealing with um, Lethal Weapon 4 at the time. Yeah, Lethal Weapon 4. He's in Lethal Weapon 4. And it was a conflict of interest, and so they were like, oh, it's just not going to work. And so uh, Chris Rock actually said, hey, I will pay whatever it costs for the production stall 
I will pay that just so I can be in this movie. Well. So because they had to prolong production for a chunk just to like have him come in and do his pieces. And he right. paid for that difference. He just wanted to do a nude scene. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm getting my butt on film. We don't get to see Selma Hayek fully naked, but we do get to see Chris Rock naked. Well, apparently she doesn't have anything down there. That's true. That would have been... See, but you could have had a weird nude scene where like it's just like, boop. And it's like, oh, there's nothing. I, I kind of like the side where she's just like lifting up her skirt. And then Jay in the background is like, oh, they're getting a free show. So like, fun. that was a nice moment. Okay. Because yeah. we already know what it's going to look like. Yeah, right. Because we Rickman. saw Alan Rickman's, yeah. which I mean, like, you know. That's so funny. That scene when Chris Rock falls from the sky and lands and like, guys like us just don't fall out of the sky, you know? And he falls out of the sky. He's like, big tit of beautiful women don't just fall from the sky, you know? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> He's like, worth a shot <laughs> oh well i tried good times good time um but i actually really do like selma hayek in this as well and she's so good like she's like a lot of this dialogue is can be a little bit cheesy like depending on how you play it but like alan rickman and selma hayek take the dialogue and act in it so well like when she just the way she emotes and when she's mm-hmm. talking and she's like you don't even know what you're talking about like and like, so I don't good. know why, but I love the way she's just like, oh, I got something, I got in, something my in my eye. Yeah. And just the way she says it, like, I don't know why, but it just always sticks with me. Mm-hmm. Like, she just does such a good job of trying to pretend to be a dumb person. And it was like, <laughs> yes. Alanis Morissette's really adorable in this movie, too, at the end. I love it. And then I love the callback in the reboot. There was a reboot or there was a comment that Jay says that he was like going on this huge spiel about all this stuff that he'd gone through, which was ha- what happening through all the Askew movies. And it included that God looked like Alanis Morissette. And I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. That's one of my favorite callbacks right there because Alanis Morissette is God. OK. Yeah. Even if she doesn't Paul, what know do you think what about the word the ironic means. No, <laughs> she does not, which is really unfortunate, yeah. but, you know. She does now. <laughs> she does now. I, uh, did you see her do um, the spoof where she actually, like, rewrote the words so <laughs> yeah. that they were ironic? Yeah, it was on Jill- Jimmy Fallon? I, I think, I think James, it was... J- James Corden, I think. Oh, Whatever. Yeah, maybe was, One of well, the late night yeah. talk shows, they redid it, and they redid it so that it was actually ironic things that happened. And I appreciate that she could poke fun at herself like that. Uh, yeah. Paul, you were going to say something? I was going to say that there's a, an Irish comedian called Ed Byrne. Uh, I know it's on YouTube. You can go find it. He did a, a whole bit where he goes through a bunch of the Alanis Morissette <laughs> limics, limerick, yeah, lyrics. There we lyrics. go. I got the word out. Um, Words are hard. Um, from that thing and pointing out like, yeah, none of these are ironic, but let's give it a benefit of the doubt. So it's like, it's like rain on your wedding day. Only if you're marrying a weatherman and he sets the date. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But I mean, like, I also think it's kind of a, a cool pick because of her song, like, What If God Was One Of Us, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I love that. I grew up on that song. No, sorry. Like, that, w- that wasn't her yeah. song. Was, no. was it not her song? That was Joan Osborne. Oh, my God. You're I, right. I think you'll I'm find so it sorry. was Dr. Evil. All right. I take back that comment. Scratch <laughs> out from the record. Pretend like I didn't say anything. You can, you can edit that out, right, Tony? Totally. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, 100%. If you want to sleep <laughs> on the couch. <laughs> Alright, I guess. <laughs> Just Tony's words over. <laughs> and, and one thing I, I wanted to, again, like you were saying, with Selma Hayek uh, being considered too highbrow for this by Kevin Smith and like doing a fantastic job. Like If you think of other films she's been in where it's you know, 
almost the same level of camp, a little bit more so, like Wild Wild West. Like oh, yeah. in that, she's kind of the same type of personality a little bit. Like yeah. she's playing dumb a little bit, even though she's clearly he's not. My but it, father. yeah, it's kind of too campy, and she's just it's kind of a ditch for it. But in this, she does so well that yeah, it was just, it was a really good job by her. It, it doesn't she isn't she in Grown Ups too with Adam yeah. Sandler? So like she plays like Adam Sandler's like really hot wife. Like way out of his she league. She doesn't hot wife. look like she's aged at all. No, if I you know. See pictures of her now. She still looks she's like stunning. amazing. Stunning. I'm sorry. I will run away with Selma Hayek if she asked me to. Ah, uh, that's fair. No, one, I wouldn't blame no you. No one would blame I'll you. I'll stay with you, Tony. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he is your hetero life partner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I think it's time for us to play game number two. Woohoo! Do do It's time for us to play. The Price is Right. The Price is Wrong, bitch. Show me the money. Show me the money! Now you've had enough. Wouldn't have been funny if you would have did Prices Right of that ET, uh, ET, and that other movie that they were talking about in the movie, <laughs> where we had to guess which one was more successful and why it was more successful. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the way this works is we're gonna play Prices Right. So uh, me and Corey have a bunch of numeric categories uh, relating to the movie, and you guys are gonna try and guess some Prices Right rules. Uh, Joe, you're gonna go first on this one because technically you you tied for the first round, uh, and you've done this before, so I'm gonna give you uh, you know Paul a little bit the of a disadvantage break. Disadvantage to Joe. Disadvantage to Joe. Uh, so the way this works, you guys are gonna try and guess them Prices Right rules. Closest without going over gets the point. If you get it bang on, it's worth double points. And if you're all over, we start the round again. And we'll just change who starts the round. Okay. I was about to say something stupid. I was like, I was going to ask Paul if they had prices right in the States. And I'm like, you're an idiot. They do have prices. That's where it's from. <laughs> well, what about in South America? Oh, yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you assholes. Let's do this. All right. So first one category is the budget. So, Joe, what do you think the budget for this movie is in millions, not thousands? 30. Three zero. Paul? Poop costs a lot. I think... I'm, I'm trying to remember because I know about like eight years ago I read this, um, but I'm gonna say it was probably about fifteen. One five, Natasha. I'm gonna say ten million. Ten. Corey, who got the point? Natasha gets two points because it's ten million estimated. Woo! Cheater! So she gets a bang on. That's awesome. Good job, Natasha. Now, does that include the marketing? Um, that's just their estimated budget for production. It usually doesn't include the marketing thing. <laughs> All right, but the next category is domestic box office. Paul, you're going to start us off with this one. What do you think it made in domestic box office? Uh, and so this is in the United States and Canada, and this is in the millions, not thousands. I think domestically this made, based on everything, I'm going to say about, I'm going to stick with 15 again. One five, Natasha. Twenty-five. Twenty-five, Joe. Twenty. Twenty. And Natasha takes it with twenty-five. It was actually thirty million dollars. Thirty million. Whoop, whoop. 
All right. Next I go. usually suck at this game, so yeah, like it is the it is the Holy suck. Spirit has come here <laughs> and filled me with the right answers. I'll be honest with you, Tony insisted I throw the game. <laughs> <laughs> is that how we're gonna play this, Joe? Happy wife, happy life. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next category. Uh, what do you guys think this made in foreign box office? So this is everywhere outside of North America, and I will tell you right now, it is in thousands, not millions. Oof, Natasha, oof, you're oof. starting us off. You're, you're filled with the spirit. All in the bad. Uh, I'm going to say 700,000. 700,000. Joe. 500. 500. And Paul. Um, I'd say 600. 600. And <laughs> who got the point, Corey? Natasha, you got the point. It was, <laughs> was 776,000. Woo! <laughs> you're doing amazing. I'm on fire. Well, look at that. Natasha <laughs> wins again. <laughs> All right, so next category. Uh, what do you guys think this made on the opening weekend? Uh, so this is domestic opening weekend. Its total run made $30 million. How much of that was on its opening weekend? Joe. Ten. Ten. Paul. Um, can I go with 12? 12. Natasha. Seven. Seven. And Corey, who got the point? <laughs> Natasha. It was eight, $8 million. What? Well, 8.6. 8. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I really like this movie. I swear she didn't look this up beforehand, right? No. no I, can't I can't say that. <laughs> she had something in her eye. Excuse me, I am not a cheater. Not a cheater. You're making up for the last one, though, where Joe and them took it. So. I know. It's awesome. But, like, dog, I'm not going to lie, Dogma is, like, one of my, like, favorite View Askew movies. Like, oh, this was the one that actually got me into the View Askew universe. So, like, yeah. All right. Next category. It's time for the Totten Romato ratings. <laughs> so, uh, Paul, we're going to start with you. What do you think the critic rating is in a percentage? Critic rating. Um, I'm going to guess it probably a little above average. So, you know, let's go with 66. 66. Natasha? 60. Six zero, Joe. Seventy. Seventy. Someone else got a point. Woo! Someone dethroned the queen. Paul, you got it with uh, sixty-six. It was actually sixty-seven. Oh, so close. I can lose a point and still be a queen. That's true. Yas Yas queen. queen. Yas queen. <laughs> All right. Final category. Okay. Time for the Tottenham Romano audience ratings. Natasha, you're starting us off. It's a percentage. I know. All right. I'm going to say 85. 85. Okay. Um, Joe? 70. 70. And Paul? I'm, I'm actually going to say 87. 87. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not laughing at your thing, Paul. I'm laughing that Natasha got double points right off the bat. <laughs> it was 85% was the actual one. <laughs> All right. So, Natasha, you technically won. Crown. I wasn't really expecting this. Oh, my God. <laughs> like to thank the academy <laughs> i think that's like one of the best scores i've ever heard like you got two double has anybody else got two doubles before? sarah's got a triple just yeah call, really? sarah sarah owns this game just call natasha the houston astro she's stealing signals from court <laughs> <laughs> oh my god she can see the reflection in his glasses <gasps> all right that's some spy shit there so, Tasha, you were actually saying in the middle of that about this is the one that led you to... Yeah, this is actually the one that really got me into the Viewski universe. Like, I loved the really 
fresh take on like Catholicism, Ben Affleck in it, like Matt Damon's in it, Alanis Morissette. Like we've kind of already touched on like all the points that I really liked about it. But like, I'm sorry, but Jay and Silent Bob, like take the motherfucking cake every fucking time. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to launch into a story here. So like, I know Paul, I know you know this, but like Tony and I went to the reboot roadshow, which uh, was really cool. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. And so, uh, Kevin Smith got to talk afterwards and people kind of asked him questions. And one of the stories he told was that uh, when he was looking for someone to pick up clerks, um, he actually uh, like the lawyer was involved and he was like, OK, like, what do you want? And and Kevin Smith, one of the things he wanted, he was like, I want Kevin. I want Jay and Silent Bob. Like, I want to retain Jay and Silent Bob and the characters, the characters and the lawyers like, that's it. And he goes, yeah, like that's basically all I want. And so then they go back in and, and the executives are like, well, who the fuck are Jay and Silent Bob? <laughs> and they were like, well, it's just some, some characters. Like, are they main characters? No. Okay. Well, like who are they? They're just old drug dealers that hang outside of the convenience store. So they're not like, they're not even in this store and they're like, no. So, so they said, yeah, you can have them. And that's why Jay and Silent Bob are able because Kevin Smith retained the rights of Jay and Silent Bob so they could be in every single movie. And like, um, come on, they're like my favorite part. Okay. And I always look forward to Silent Bob's only like speaking part. And, and most of the time it's like a nice, like, here's like a lesson, like, you know, the chasing Amy speech at the end is like iconic. And in this one, it's literally like no No ticket, ticket. you know, (laughs) like that's it. (laughs) Two words. It's so good. And, and also like, you know, it's really relatable to like the main character really struggling with faith, especially in this day and age where um, there's a lot of hate. There's a lot of hate within the Christian community, Catholic community and outside of the Catholic community and Christian community. Like there's so much hate for organized religion and there's so much hate within organized religion that it's, it's really easy to just really be disenchanted by that. And so I kind of really related to that, that struggle of feeling like, feel like empty all the time and then the friend at the beginning is like oh well maybe you need to go get laid you need a man even if it's for 10 minutes right like it was a really relatable moment to just feel like like there's nothing Mm -hmm. that that we're in the universe by ourselves, which is a very lonely feeling and just that struggle of dealing with like this information that would kind of like an unwanted destiny thrust upon you this this fight between um Good and free evil. will. Well, no, not even just f- good and evil, but like free will versus like destiny. <coughs> um, is your life already pre-scripted for you? Is everything that was supposed to happen already happening? Did this happen already? Like, is this free will? Like, what? It, there's a lot of big questions, and this kind of like lightly touches on all of them, so it kind of like hits its mark at every turn. And anybody who's ever been raised in like a religious home. Like, it's really relatable, okay? Like, it's it's really relatable. So, like, there's that. I like hearing people talk about their, like, struggles with faith. Because, like, one of my biggest things I don't like is when somebody tells me that they know exactly what's going on all the time. Like, anybody who preaches that they know exactly what's going on, I was super skeptical of that. But people who discuss religion in a way where they're like, yeah, I'm, like, coming at it like this. And it's like, I like these things, but, like, I'm having trouble with this. And it's like, I like when somebody measures everything that they go into so like when people i have nothing against people with faith i think it's great that you can have faith in things like that but i also like when they don't use it uh like it does it galvanizes them in a way and per i don't know it just doesn't like 
struggle i think the struggle to me is important for faith it's that whole like is this real should i doubt myself like but then you just go with it you, you right. trust and that's a, there's something there well there's that's nothing more unrelatable than when you go into a religious setting and somebody there has been a believer their whole life and they've never doubted and this is a really big thing because i work with a like i work with youth in the church too and a lot of the leaders have been in the church since they were very young and they've never questioned they've never wavered in fact half of them are in like post-secondary to become ministers and and pastors and so for them like jesus is life of all things and yeah okay like i can get on board with jesus's life life, but he's not the kale of life okay jesus is the bread of life bread is life okay but anyways is it white (laughs) (laughs) pumpernickel well i'm white bread (laughs) yeah you is i don't know what i am i'm sourdough i guess anyways um but what i'm getting at though is that when i talk to these kids You know, there's nothing more relatable. Like they love to talk to me about it because I doubt I've had doubt. I've had, I've, I've struggled. I've gone through some shit. I have seen the other side. I have, you know what I mean? Like, I I mean, not that I've been in like a gang or anything like that, but you know, we saw a lot of drug use and uh, mental health and yeah, no, I'm wearing a bandana because I'm part of the blood. Anyways. Um, just kidding. We do not endorse gang activity. <laughs> you know, but I've just, I've worked with at-risk youth too. Like yeah. I've worked with people who are at risk and, and with other addicted pe- persons. And so, you know, I've seen a, and with homeless people. So I've seen a really different side of society that maybe a lot of people don't get to see. And because I've had these thoughts and I've had those moments where I've looked up and said, how could God exist in a world like this? Like in a world where there's so much. I was like, Joe's going to do it. Uh, well, but you know, but in this world where there's so much carnage and murder and mayhem and war and bigotry and racism and misogyny, like it's sometimes really hard to sit there and go like, where is God in all this? Like, where is God in all this? And so, you know, being able to come from that perspective allows me to really relate and, and watching this main character, Go through those struggles. Go through, maybe not to the same extent, but struggle and doubt and just what, like, you know, and then at the end of it, like, the the, the real feel-good message of it is that, like, at the end of the day, like, there is a plan for her. Mm-hmm. You know, and that and that God, with God, all things are possible. And I'm going to step back from my, like, pulpit right now because, like, I'm not trying to preach about it, but I'm just trying <laughs> to say that dogma is very relatable. TLDR. TLDR. Dogma is quite relatable, okay? Yeah, you know, piggybacking on that, though, my... My thoughts on religion are pretty much the same. I'm I'm open to whatever. I don't know what I believe, what I don't believe. But right. if your religion doesn't involve hurting people, yeah, and it makes you feel better about yourself and your life, hey, go right, go for it. And I love talking it. to other people of different religions. Like I really encourage these conversations because you know I don't think we all have it. Like I don't think I have it 100 percent right. I would ne- like. There's no way that I can know the whole universe. I'm just human. There's no way that I will never fully understand it. Yeah, she cut her wings off. Yep, totally. Just <laughs> cut them off. Now I'm I'm human now. Like in a world. Yep. <laughs> so, but I'm just saying, like, I really like, I really encourage this discussion of different religions and different faiths. And I like that they kind of talked on it where they were talking about like they were just waiting for one of the religions to have like a centennial so that they could do it. That. Uh, they they co- made a comment about Buddhism and they made a comment of like uh, like different faiths and I really like I enjoyed that very like open yet pointed view. I like Sama Hayek has a good point in this at one point. She's like none of them got it right. Yeah, you know, and the whole point is it's what what's in your heart. 
And I think that's one of the biggest uh, points in this movie. And I, I actually really like that they not only do they explore this in this movie, and Kevin Smith does a really good job not only of writing this, but taking these ideas, um, these very complex ideas that people don't talk about a lot, and then putting them in a comedy is yeah. really like, yeah. crazy. Like, a stoner comedy. You yes. know, not stoner even just comedy. a regular comedy. Well, like, the only two examples I can see who've done this right is this and Book of Mormon. Because Book of Mormon is fucking hilarious. And if you haven't seen it, you should. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and yeah, n- not trying to drag the conversation backwards at all, but I figured I'd give my kind of viewpoint real quick. Uh, yeah, I am. I am an atheist. I'm also a nihilist, so uh, I did not relate at all to the struggles that the uh, main character of this film was going through. Um, but yeah, I firmly agree. It is best to be able to have these conversations uh, and and actually have a conversation. I cannot count the number of times I've attempted to have a conversation about religion with someone who holds a particular religious standpoint and have been met with a brick wall because you just can't get past that initial like I'm right it's like mm-hmm. come on like we you need to give me something here like let's have a discussion but there's no discussion so uh, one thing I really really like about all Kevin Smith films is the guy knows how to write dialogue like mm-hmm. you, you can yeah. you can sit and watch this film and you're like I could have a conversation with anybody on screen right now and it would be interesting. So and it, it feels yeah. like they're real characters too. Like they're fully developed. Yeah, and it it's it's really cool to watch this and um, like I as you say like it's kind of a snapshot of this is some of the things that some people are going through and I I find it interesting hearing what other people's views on their religion. Uh, like you know, just because I, I personally uh, ascribe to the viewpoint of the just nothing like that just it um, and fucking nihilists <laughs> exactly like you know that, it's one of the things I found really interesting is that I think some people can kind of get with the point that you know I'm an atheist I happen to believe there's no god and it could some people are like well I can see why you might think that like you know maybe you haven't connected with this blah 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 but it's the nihilist part that people just don't understand it's like what you believe there's no reason for instance it's like no no it's like and that's not scary no why would it be like i <laughs> i've always found that interesting that people find that the most difficult thing to to grasp but i find it odd that people can't grasp that <laughs> so um but yeah watching this film it very much is like oh this is like a viewpoint on it. There's even several viewpoints on it because there are several different characters that clearly have different opinions on it. Now, obviously, all of the angels, they all know (laughs) they're all coming from one particular standpoint, but there are several human characters in the films that obviously believe one way or the other until God turns up. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's really nice to just watch this film and just be like, yeah, this is a really cool conversation about this stuff and it's not preachy at all. I love that this like conversation of the whole thing is born out of a movie that people like can easily dismiss as like another kind of stoner comedy where it's like this movie does have all those deep thoughts and it has a guy who says bong or schnugins half the time and it's like want to have sex all the time. It's just okay, I like but, like, the dichotomy you, of it. Have I you love it. met stoners? Like really <laughs> no, that's met true. stoners? Okay. That is a good point. Like let's be real. The like theological debates that come out of like really good weed smoking is like <laughs> intense. Okay. It's true. You know, but but that's the thing though. Like that's really like 
Paul, you said it really well, that it is really important that we have these conversations and that we as a society learn how to have those conversations because I think with things like politics and with religion and with like our salaries and talking out, speaking out, especially with like the Harvey Weinstein thing that just came out, like there's so much that we just as a society don't know how to talk about it in a very... Um, Calm and diplomatic way. Well, in a very diplomatic, yeah. in a very empathetic way. I think a lot of us talk with the intention of of being right, convincing the other person, and we listen to respond. That's the biggest thing. And we don't listen to listen and to no. hear and to ask questions. Like the curiosity or the empathy that you might feel for someone else is just gone. And so I think that's something that, and I'm noticing as we're going along and I've met a lot of people in my path who are starting to learn these behaviors, to learn how to talk about religion, to learn how to do that. But we have to cultivate that in our own circles. And learn how to do it ourselves. Yeah. You know, the, the hardest thing you have to learn how to do is actually listen. And that's really hard because like a lot of us, like there's a lot of media out there to consume. There's a lot of opinions out there. There's a lot of like westernized thinking is very right and wrong. Um, and that is very toxic sometimes. And it don't matter if you're black or white. <laughs> it don't matter. And when you're talking about and when you're talking about listening, well, a lot of us are just guys too, and that doesn't happen. <laughs> 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 Thanks, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know we're on the same page, Joe. Okay, I will come to you next time. Yes. yes. So what'd you say? <laughs> I tuned out. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Typical man. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Motherfucker. Can we talk about Alan Rickman now? Okay. R.I.P. Like, yes. So, oh. I love hearing him talk. He, yeah. could just, he could read a grocery yeah. list. Once, right. a, once again, reinforcing my belief that he was drunk on every single film set he was ever on. Because he just sounds <laughs> drunk. <laughs> he does. Everything. Oh, my God. He does. I never noticed that. <laughs> he oh doesn't drink it, though. He just spits it back up. Yeah. I mean, this isn't the Harry Potter podcast or else I would have lots of like little tidbits about him being on the set of Harry Potter. But <laughs> I won't and I will keep them to myself unless prompted. <laughs> then I go for it. Actually, I love him in this movie. Um, and I think one of the, the weird facts I also learned about, and I shared a thing about it on my Facebook today, was about how, because uh, Jason Mewes actually shared it as his throwback Thursday. This is the only movie he learned the entire script about or the entire script. He memorized it. Solely because he found out Alan Rickman was going to be on it, and he's like, "I got to impress him." <laughs> yeah, and the, I I actually remember uh, watching the Q and A where Kevin Smith talks about that because he was talking with Jason Mewes, and Jason Mewes was still having a lot of trouble uh, remembering his lines, and he said to him, like, at least how he's telling the story, he's saying, "Like, look, we've got people like Alan Rickman in this film who are going to." be on point that you know Shakespearean actors that they're trained and so Jason Mewes went away that night and came back and knew the entire script that's awesome god bless that like the the story when Alan Rickman's talking about like when he had to tell Jesus that he was God's only son and stuff that's such like a good scene that was like a sucker punch to me I was like oh my goodness yeah it's so good the empathy he shows he's like you know if I could if I could take this back I would like it's it's one of those things where it's like he somehow makes the angels human. Yeah. You know, even though it's supposed to be like this like grandiose entity, he has like this demeanor about him that yeah, he comes off as arrogant, but he somehow is also like it, it it's a character I kind of love cuz he's got this arrogance to him, but he's also got this soul. Yeah. Right. 
I just feel like he comes off like he's over it kind of thing. Like, especially when, like, he's not impressed by God's majesty anymore. Like, when he's like, oh, I got all this blood on me. And then he, like, wipes it on God's dress. And she's like, really? <laughs> he's like, oops. Well, sorry. I think it's oh, kind of yeah. cool that on one hand you have, like, this almighty angel who's empathetic and re- like you were relating but then you also have him where he's like got this prosthetic that makes him a eunuch and he's just kind of <laughs> waving it around like and you're bloody like oh, okay. wipes it off. <laughs> yeah that, that was actually i feel like it was it had to have been fully intentional is that the guy that turns up in the film as you know fire is constantly having liquid thrown on him <laughs> <laughs> i didn't even notice that that's true yeah <laughs> I, he had to use the whole can like he's had this happen before. Yeah. He can tell it's a whole can of like fire extinguisher. <laughs> I also do love that there's a running gag. He's constantly getting shit on him. <laughs> he's like constantly having to clean his like clothes. <laughs> oh, it's delightful. And he he's such a good character in this, and I, I love him in this as well. And he has some of the, like the he makes some of the most pop culture references too. If you notice, yeah, we have we can rebuild you. We have the, the, the technology. technology. <laughs> what was the other one he said? He, wax he, oh, on, wax off. Yeah, yes, like yes. there's t- right. he just like littered them in there, and I'm wondering if that was actually scripted or if that was just like a little ad lib speculation. It's hard to tell with that. They might have just said just just go go nuts. Just and have do fun your thing, <laughs> Alan Rickman. Do your thing. You know, I know a big thing about him, and like one of his, one of the big claims about him is uh, his role in Robin Hood, mm-hmm. um, because of the fact that he got the script, was so unimpressed with it, he got a bunch of his thespian friends. They spent a weekend in wine, rewriting all of his parts to make it better. Right. Which I just I appreciate. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I know way too many weird stories. I watch all the like uh, you know doc or uh, commentaries. Commentaries. I find them soothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good time. It's like, I think those are kind of some of the first like podcast kind of thing where they're just talking mm-hmm. about the movies and stuff like that. So. And I, I like commentaries. I, I think one of my favorite things about his character is yeah, he is the relatively dull exposition guy who has to get across a lot of information. And every single time that happens, there's always a button at the end of it. Like when he's talking about the power of God's true voice and were you to hear it, your your head would cave in and your heart would explode. And then you just said, we went through five atoms before we figured that one out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is such a good throwaway line, but it's like, it, it, it's funny and relevant. I think, and like, I have one, like obviously Alan Rickman's great, but I also, I also enjoy Matt Damon and Ben Affleck in this. Yes. Like their scenes together are enjoyable. Like I like. Well, they're, they're like BFFs in real life too, right? Like. Yeah, but oh, yeah. I also like the just what they're talking about. Like I like especially when they're on the bus and they're like, "Okay, what about those two? They're well, that guy's married, but not to her." And then they go when they you go don't to the kiss boardroom. The mar- your wife like that? Yeah, like I love I like, when that line is said and Tasha looks over at me and like you know like Sorry. with this guilty face. Okay, <laughs> like I felt real attacked, real called out in that moment. Okay. Yeah, and th- and probably the best example of like you can tell that this has just been a thing for ages is with the boardroom when he leaves and comes back in and says yeah <laughs> i do believe in this and it cuts outside to bottom just going like i do believe in this what does that even That's- mean <laughs> <laughs> like you, you know they've been through this a lot <laughs> right 
Oh man, I actually I love that Corey brought up the bus scene because again, living while listening to Kevin Smith talk on uh, his commentaries, one of the things he was talking about was that scene was shot three days after they won their Oscar for Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> Cute. So they were riding like a nice high there. They were like feeling They're like, real you wouldn't have been able to afford connected. us for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> we're the kings of the world. Yeah. So, so what you're saying is the end of that scene when he's singing and they're going along, like that's just him still coming down from the wind. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Definitely. <laughs> All right. So I think it's time for us to play game number three. Whoop, whoop. All right, so it's time for us to play the Awesome Lodge Word Game. Excellent! It's time for us to play the Awesome Lodge Word Game. Yes! So now the way that this game works is Corey's going to have two minutes to get each one of you guys to name ten different movies from a selected category. Now, Tasha, you currently have the Pretty Pretty Princess Crown, so you get the biggest disadvantage. You're going to go first, and uh, we're going to have Joe pick your category, just because mm. he's done this before, and I don't want to throw Paul under the bus for this. <laughs> oh, thank uh, you. Yeah, you're welcome. So uh, the way this works, Corey's got two minutes. He's got to get you guys to name ten different movie titles. He can't use any of the words in the movie titles, any actors' names, directors' names, or uh, directors' names. Now, the four categories we have tonight, as I'm struggling turning the pages, are movies with Ben Affleck, movies with Matt Damon, Matt Damon. movies oh, with Alan Rickman, or, move, or 1999 box office topping movies. I'm going to suck at all these categories, so just so you know. Mm. So, Joe, I'm going to get you to pick Tasha's category first. Give her the 99. The 99. The top box office? Okay. Oh, that's very generous of you, Joe. Thank you. Uh, and then... Oh. I was like, where's that one? There's another page. Uh, and then, Paul, of the remaining categories, which one do you want? Do you want Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, or Alan Rickman? I'm going to go Matt Damon, even though I'm going to suck at this. <laughs> All right. And, Joe, you got to choose between Ben Affleck and Alan Rickman. Batfleck. Batfleck. <laughs> All right. All right. You ready for this? I don't think you can handle this. Woo! Yep, I think so. I think I'm all ready. All right. All right. Here we go. Starting in three, two, one. 1999! Pirates have something over their eye. It's a... Patch? Eye yep. patch? Yeah. It, it, this had a, a doctor who was kind of funny. Um, patch Adams. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to skip this one going to the next one. Not Frankenstein, not Dracula, but... Uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon? No, he's um, wrapped. Oh, the mummy. Yeah. Ah. Uh, oh, yeah, 1999. It's the first prequel in the 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 war. You don't have. Film. You can say Star Wars. Can I say Star Wars? Yeah, because you just. A New it. Hope. Nope. No. no uh, oh prequel. shit. Uh, first prequel. Fuck. Phantom Menace. Yep. There we go. Yeah, baby. Uh, Austin Powers. The right. Spy Shag Me. Perfect. Awesome. Oh. Tarzan. Yep. Or, uh, or is it Torture of the Jungle? Nope, oh, you got Tarzan. it. Tarzan. Okay. Um, it's not little, but big. Yeah, and not mommy, but. Big Daddy. Yes, perfect. I see dead people. Uh, fuck. What is it called? It's called um. Not, not smelling. Not eyesight. It's one of those things. Um, you have five of them, but this oh, kid has a. Uh, fifth, uh, the sixth sense. Yeah, there we go. Uh, we don't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Men punch each other in it. Oh, the Fight Club. Yeah. Or Fight Club. Sorry. Uh, the Fight Club. Uh. 
<laughs> pocket monsters. What's another word for pocket monsters? Tony enjoys playing it. Pokemon? Yep. Uh, it's the the first. Oh, fuck. Can't say first. No. Damn oh it. no. No. You okay. did a thing. We'll try to get this one. Okay. Um, when you go to a therapist, they, um, not. When you look at data, you are it, analyzing. Yes. Um, the analyst. No. Oh, uh, um, not. Uh, not that, but. Nine. What's analyze? Uh, cell. No, it's five, a, not that, four, but it's another word three, for that. Um, two, one. I don't know. Time. Analyze this. this. How do you get someone to say this? <laughs> I like. I was about to say this. this and so blank like, out. <laughs> blank hour has okay, twenty-two. Okay. What did I get? Oh, that would. That uh, you got eight out of ten. Woo! 80%. That's Sorry, Nidhash, I fucked up the last That's one. That's okay. What was the last one? Pokemon, the first movie. What was the I one you skipped? This. I was really oh. worried about oh, Wait, saying. Pokemon didn't count? No, it's Pokemon, no, it, the first movie. Yeah, <sighs> fucked it up. I, I was going to say. I was really worried about saying movie. I was going to say film, but the F made me say first. And I Lame. Fucked. I got Pokemon. You did, but you only got half well, I mean, that, that, Can I get Pokemon, half the point? first movie, Pokemon 2000. I don't, <laughs> I don't know all of them. Okay, there's literally a video of me somewhere trying to name all the original 360, whatever, however many fucking Pokemon there are. And, like, I did not do very well, okay? I did very poorly. She's like, the blue one. <laughs> I don't remember what it's called, but it does the thing. I think you were also pretty drunk when we did that. No, I was not. I was trying to give you an out. <laughs> no, I just don't know Pokemon. I'm sorry. Yeah. So who's next? Uh, next up is Joe with Batfleck. Okay. You ready, Joe? I suppose. Ready, Corey? Yep. Starting in three, two, one, Batfleck. He's a blind superhero. Daredevil. Yep. Um, a woman who has left. Gone. Perfect. Um, not a city, but a smaller version of a city. Not a village, bigger than a village. Um, Halloween. Town. Yeah. The town. Yeah, perfect. Um, hazed and conflated. Dazed and confused. Perfect. Yeah. Um, another word for ghosts or of the opera. Phantoms. Perfect. And I close my eyes just to hear you. Armageddon. Perfect. <laughs> um, he, to be or not to be? This one's that is the question. What, what's that guy's name? What's his last name? The guy who wrote that? Shakespeare in Love. Perfect. Um, it was a very tragic event where Japanese soldiers came uh, island. Hawaii. Oh, yes. Um, Pearl Harbor. Uh, this is... Tony kind of said his name to begin with. He's another superhero. This one's broody and wears a lot of black. Batman. But who is he? Batman versus Superman. Perfect. Um, this one is about the uh, yep. the football team. The It's... it's oh. No, that's not going to work either. Jason and the... the CFL Argo. Perfect. There it is. Ah, there we go. I was like, come on, Joe, get Argonauts. That was all of them. Yeah, it's all ten with extra twenty-three seconds. Woo. Hey, let's get some more. Who's uh? Now, I was doing Matt Damon. Pokemon, the first let's movie. Go for Matt Damon. Now, to be fair, it is Batman v Superman, not versus. Yeah. We'll take him away. Point. <laughs> I honestly don't care. Joe's making a face. Like, come on. <laughs> we'll give Natasha an extra point. 
We'll Yay. give her the point five <laughs> for Pokemon. Yay! All right. Paul, you ready for this? Probably not. Which one is he doing again? Matt, Matt, Damon. Matt, Damon. Matt Damon. He's doing Matt Damon movies? Matt Damon movies. Of the film actors. Are you giving deal. him extra time? Because are we on any bit of delay? Um, I'm going to boost up his audio so we can hear his responses better. Be I mean, that would be a good thing, yes. I mean, like, we can hear you. We can hear you, but just in case we could, if we're talking over, I won't right. be able to hear you better. All right. You ready? Sure. Here we go. Starting in three, two, one, go. Shaving Major Brian. Shaving <laughs> Private Ryan. Perfect. Uh, bad <laughs> Bill uh, <laughs> Scavenging. Go <laughs> <Kilo> hunting. <laughs> Yes. The unincorporated. <laughs> they have they have died. A lot of bad Boston accents in that one. Oh, for God's sake. The Depart? No. Yeah. Yep. That's yes, it. That was right. <laughs> uh, this one, he plays an amnesiac who is a super spy. Oh, Jason. Um, the Born Identity. Perfect. Yep. Um, there's sequels to this movie of a bunch of uh, robbers. There's 12 of them Ocean in one of the Love. movies. Perfect. Yes. This is about conjoined twins. When you have... Oh, crap. Like, you have, okay, when you get something... Like, say you step on gum, it's now what on your shoe? Stuck. Stuck on you. Perfect. Yes. Uh, this is about the fairy tale guys. They're... The Brothers Grimm? Yep. Yep. Uh, not the triangulars, but the circle. What's a circle? A circle is... Round? Yeah, and it just take that word and add a couple more letters onto it. The triangulars. <laughs> the rounders? Perfect. Yes. Um, not not uh, the earthling, but the red planet. Okay, the Martian? Perfect. Yep. Um, it's a type of Greek monster uh it's also a really big planet um it's a cartoon he was in a cartoon that was about space and stuff I don't know oh titan that a perfect that's correct I was just all sure. 10 five seconds left Whew. okay so now do we do a tiebreaker for i honestly thought you were gonna one? shove euro trip in there i thought about it but i decided against it <laughs> I, kept, happy, I kept happy cameo happy though. anniversary baby <laughs> Scotty doesn't know. Oh my goodness, that took me a moment. I, you know, what? I always, I was like, where? If that was the case, I could have put in like Thor Ragnarok, the best little sex puppet I know, Fiona, or uh, <laughs> Deadpool two. He has a cameo in too. Oh was, yeah, was he in that one? Yeah, he's the redneck that gets killed by Cable right at the beginning. He's wearing a lot of prosthetics <laughs> on his face. <laughs> yeah, Matt Damon likes to do cameos. No, <laughs> love it. No. He's really good friends with Chris Helmsworth. That's why he was in Thor, because he's like, we never get to work together in anything. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Joe technically won because he got it. Uh, he got all ten with twenty-five seconds. Oh, uh, time, time. Lame. What what did we get it with, uh, Paul? Five seconds left. I let you down, Paul. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I guess I forgive you. Shaving Major Brian. <laughs> that was good. 
That was good. That killed me. Why okay. couldn't all of them be, be done dead. in that same way? <laughs> I'm dead. Uh, and I, I had to say, um, the episode that I listened to before coming on this was the orgasmo one. So I almost said it the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> Shaving Ryan's privacy. <laughs> Uh, all right there's one thing i want to talk about uh with this movie and we kind of touched on it with alanis morissette being god but the fact that they they claim god is a woman in this i think that's very interesting especially in 1999 to kind of pull that maneuver but at the end like i was wondering that too because throughout the movie all the like metatron saying it's a guy everybody else is saying, even some well selma hikes only one who says it's a girl and then it is a, a lady mm-hmm. but then at the end chris rock says well, she's not really a woman. She's like, whatever, whatever. Yeah, she could take whatever form she wants. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I did. I like the idea that it was a woman in the end. I think that's interesting. Yeah, I, it was very progressive. Yeah, I I kind of took it to mean that God, God actually for the for the most part when they were talking it through, God is the gender of the person that's talking about them, and at the end when God turns up, obviously like we're watching the film kind of with Bethany as the audience surrogate. So we're seeing God as Bethany is. So yeah. that's that kind of how I took it. I mean, obviously, Jay and Alan Bob see God as Alanis Morissette. So <laughs> take that as you <laughs> Who will. Who the fuck are you? I mean, and Alanis Morissette has a godly voice. So, I mean, there's that. <laughs> nice. Okay, but, like, I want to talk about something real quick. I want to talk about the beef between Ben Affleck and Kevin Smith. Do you guys know what happened? Jennifer Garner didn't like him. Because I I know what happened. I just want to know, like, if y'all know what happened. And if not, I will gladly share. Sip that tea, sister. All right, so here's what happened. Kevin Smith shared a story about how Ben Affleck had said that the hardest thing about acting was to how to kiss another guy uh, after doing Chasing Amy. And he got so much flack for it that, like, Kevin, like, Ben Affleck was so mad. He was so pissed because he got so much flack on, like, Twitter, on, like, social media about how, like, you know, like, somebody responded. I can't remember. It was a famous actress at the time. It was, like, uh, try getting raped in a scene. Grow up, Ben. Like, he got roasted, roasted Mm -hmm. over the internet. And so... Um, with the reboot, it was like the first time that they had made amends because Kevin Smith had openly publicly said that he they were like somebody tweeted and said, well, like, what's the real beef? And Kevin Smith responded with because uh, one of us or one of us couldn't keep our mouth shut and told stories that we shouldn't have told. And the other is Ben. <laughs> you know what I read on that was <laughs> that uh, when Kevin Smith worked with uh, Jennifer Garner on uh, Catch and Release that she didn't like Kevin Smith and then basically forbade Ben from hanging out with him anymore and he kind of had to drift apart because of her. Well, I don't know. I'm going to take Kevin Smith's tweet over that speculation. Not going to lie. Like, it's a really interesting theory. I think there could be a lot to it. There could be a lot of levels to it. Maybe, you know, that caused that and then Kevin Smith out of retaliation told the story which then got Ben and and Daredevil together. Well, I mean, but like Ben got himself into some fucking hot water by saying that marriage is work and is an acceptance speech for Argo. (laughs) <laughs> you don't say that shit you say i love my wife pro okay. tip for you gentlemen at home okay say you love your wife don't say that marriage is work on national television at the oscars i'll remember that for my imaginary wife in my oscar speech <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, you do that joe i i've always 
thought that, um, and I know one person did this at the Oscars, like, you just walk up, you get your Oscar, you go, thank you, and then you leave. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if everyone did that, the Oscars wouldn't take three hours. <laughs> <Exactly>. Okay. <laughs> and they'd be able to get all the awards and it wouldn't have to be done over two nights. Yeah. But at the same time, I have to like, you know, if people have worked very hard for these awards and and my thoughts on the Oscars aside, because I do have a lot of thoughts about the Oscars. We got some feelings. Oh, we got some (laughs) feelings here and the flick sex rate. Okay, but what I'm saying is, is that, you know, if you worked so hard and you you made this this masterpiece and you were awarded for it, like they should give you that time to say thank you. Uh, now you don't have to thank everybody from like your mom's dog's groomer or whatever, but like you, you should be able to at least say thank and you. And get off your political soapbox when you're doing it too. There's no need for all but that. But at the same time, I also like, I, I get it cause I get tired of hearing all the political rants on it too. But at the same time, sometimes that's like really one of the, it's one of, one of the platforms that people can say things. Um, and so I can't really be mad at that because People should speak out about injustice and and politics. Like we just talked about being able to talk about politics, and in this society, we take our cues from people who are famous. Yeah, no. And if people, sorry, go for it. No, no, I was just gonna say that. Yeah, it, it would just be so much easier if they just got up, thanked their father's brother's nephew's cousin, former roommate, and got away. But yeah, it is kind of a, you know. You know, it, it's little yeah. things like wearing black at the Met Gala to represent the hashtag me too movement like like or wearing flats to oppose because women are supposed to wear heels on the red carpet like it's actually part of the dress code and women were like fuck that i'm wearing flats like it's it's there's so much of it that i just like yes like go for it speak up stand out rise against i am all for rebellion (laughs) i'm all for rising up against injustice fight the power you know but i think like there's a time and a place I'm really torn on that. Okay. I'm really torn on that. Okay. Cause on one hand, yes, say it, stick it to the man. But on the other hand, I really don't want to watch it. Cause I, I know. Okay. I know. I, that's what social media is for. But Just I, blabber I whatever you want on there. Right. Or a podcast. <laughs> or a podcast. <laughs> the amount of times I've gone on a tangent about some sort of injustice or some sort of PSA that I've given about <laughs> STD testing or God knows what on here. Like, I think I missed that episode. <laughs> All right. So it's time for one thing I learned. Um, so one thing I learned from dogma was we need to be open and talk, uh, be able to talk with people about religion. Stealing the easy one. I hate you. <laughs> Joe. Well, one thing I learned, not just from this movie, but also from uh, rewatching men in black over the holiday season is that uh, Linda Fiorentino is a charisma vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, ouch. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I kind of enjoyed her in Men in Black. I enjoyed it in this movie, too. Natasha, what did you learn? Uh, ooh, I don't know what I learned today. I learned that I really miss um, Alan Rickman. Oh. I mean, I knew that anyways. Okay, maybe I, I learned that uh, Chris Hemsworth and Matt Damon were friends. I didn't know that. Yeah, they're best buddies. Paul, what about yourself? What's one thing you learned from this movie or this podcast or just in general today? I mean, I'm genuinely shocked no one has touched on the hot button issue that all heavenly beings have no genitals. I mean, really, it should be the forefront of every conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Corey? Um, I learned 
that did I learn? I don't know. That's what we're asking you. <laughs> no, if I learned anything. Actresses all have to wear high heels. Actually, I did learn that. That was pretty interesting. That yeah, there's very terrible. strict dress codes for what women that's can stupid. wear to these things. Interesting and stupid. Yeah. Very <laughs> sexist, and I really hate it. Now, can I take off my he- high heels for the podcast? No, <laughs> it's a dress code for this podcast. You have to wear high but heels. It's a matter of comfort. Thong? <laughs> now, now the song was your choice. How I that thought. hasn't oh. been, uh, let's say, a film that's been up for best picture how they have never done it where all of the men turn up wearing heels and all of the women turn up wearing just flat shoes i don't know surely that's something that should have happened by now yes let's make it happen uh, let's first get more female directors nominated yeah that would be a first step in the right direction because yeah. jesus christ i mean i don't have feelings about this all right time for ratings <laughs> <laughs> uh paul we'll start with you uh what would you rate this movie out of five and why See, out of five, I would say it's kind of difficult because obviously uh, I I look at some films critically, but then also my love of Kevin Smith is kind of overshadowing that. Um, so I think overall this film is probably, I'm going to say a four out of five. Uh, I, I loved all of the all of the people in it um, and I liked the interesting conversation. I'm actually kind of sad we didn't talk about uh, Jason Lee, because I thought he was great in it. Um, but uh, so but, yeah, many actors I, in this. I, I thought yeah. that um, I, I thought it was just a, a a great a great film and an interesting topic. And uh, the only reason I'm not putting it at a five is there are one or two Kevin Smith films that I feel are better than this one. I just can't quantify that in a really short sentence here. So I'm just, I'll leave it at that. I also agree. Jersey Girl is great. I <laughs> have never seen that one and to be honest I don't plan to <laughs> Joe what would you rate this out of 5 away yeah well again I agree you can't really fault the cast with the exception of uh, Fiorentino <laughs> but uh, I mean tremendous cast really smart well thought well thought out movie and if somebody wants to rate it higher than I would I don't I don't question that. I'm not going to fight that. Me, personally, I give it a three because it's not one that really sticks in my memory that I really retain a lot of the humor or a lot of the big lines or catchphrases or anything. And it's one that I think if I had that religious background and upbringing, it would speak to me a lot more. Right now, I'm kind of, I'm outside. No, I'm not really, I don't feel like I'm in on the joke all the time and it's really hard to... uh, make that personal connection with it that would really put it over the top. Like I know recently I was uh, showing an old Saturday Night Live sketch about uh, attending Christmas Mass and a friend of mine who does go to Mass says, man, that is just, they're just making fun of all the right beats and all the right moments. And for him, that's why it really struck a nerve and, you know, found the funny bone. This one for me, I don't have that connection, so I just can't really say that it's, you know, one of my top favorites. Right. Uh Natasha? I would also give it a four out of five. For me, this movie is a very tongue-in-cheek but still respectful look at Catholicism and now. its crazy implications. Um, I really enjoy this star-studded cast. It has that right balance of some seriousness mixed in, but it doesn't take itself too seriously, which I also very much enjoy. It It really feels like Kevin Smith just had a really good time making this one, and I really enjoyed that as a result. Mm-hmm. 
Corey. I feel like Natalie Imbruglia right now because I'm very torn. <laughs> I, I like, I re- I love Kevin Smith stuff, and I enjoy this movie. But like when I'm trying to think about it more as like a movie, there's like poignant things in there. There's great dialogue, good character acting, everything like that. But there's also like it. A lot of these scenes feel disconnected from each other. I know it's like a road movie, and that's kind of the point of road movies. But if you look at later, Jane and Bob Strike Back, I think he does it in a more cohesive way through that movie. Whereas this movie, it's just kind of like, he has things he wants to say, but he doesn't know where to put them. So he's just like, oh, these characters are now together. It's like, oh, but why wouldn't Bartleby just kill her? He's already decided that he wants to do that. And like, I know there's reasons and stuff like that, but I just feel like there's some, some missing plot and stuff there for me. Um, so I'm going to... Can we give it half or no? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll give it 3.5. Just because, like, I really want to give it a four, but I just feel like there's a little bit something missing. And it would do something better in the future with that. That's valid. Uh, for me, I would actually, I would give this a three on a technical scope, um, but I'm going to give it a four on a personal level. I give it an extra point, not only because of nostalgia, but because I feel like this is does such a good job at opening a door for a dialect. Mm-hmm. Um, that you don't always get out of comedy movies. And so I think it, it rides this really interesting line. And, you know, knowing it is early in Kevin Smith's, you know, repertoire, it it is still, you know, pretty early in his workings. However, he does a good job of stepping up his game in by comparison to, like, Chasing Amy and Mallrats. You know, this is him finally getting a bit of a budget behind him, finally knowing mm-hmm. how to do that, getting some high-profile talent on it, and not only getting that... But being able to work with them, yeah, you know, it's it's one thing when you get like a bunch of high profile actors and a director who doesn't know how to direct them. But in, in this movie, I think, I, I you can tell he's starting to hit a stride. He's stri- starting to hit a stride, and again, there's a nostalgia point in there for me. So it's like for me, I would say on a technical level, it's a three, a three, three point five. But for mm-hmm. me, I would rate it a four just because of personal right. preference, uh, which gives us a total of eighteen point five. And I got to do math now. Come on, be eighty five percent. New math. I love when it works out to be audience rating. Seventy four percent. Oh, not bad. Sit in the middle. Yeah. All right. So this being an episode of Flex X Raid, I'd like to say a special thank you to uh, the Buddy Christ Paul for joining us on this one from uh, taking a break from his podcast in South America. Yep. <laughs> Block <laughs> blokebusters. Uh, Paul, why don't you tell us a little bit about that again and where people can find you? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, Blokebusters, my, my main podcast, it is mostly film review. I've done the odd thing here and there. I actually had an actress come on and we talked about tabletop role-playing game for an episode, and that was really fun. Um, and uh, I've done a couple of interviews with directors and stuff like that. So it's, it's been it's been really cool, and I think you guys all enjoy it. Um, I'm also doing a side one called Filmly Fortunes, which is a film quiz podcast with film podcasts fighting each other with film trivia and it's incredibly difficult and i have a lot of fun with that um, but uh but yeah if you want to find blokebusters you can find it on twitter at blokebusters i'm not very active on it at the moment because life um and also facebook and instagram searching blokebusters and uh you can email us at the blokes at blokebusters.com if you really really want to email which most people don't so there you go <laughs> Excellent. And a special thank you as well to our guest, the Jason Muse, Joe. Thank you all. 
And thank you, Stoner Prophet Natasha. Word. And a very special thank you to my hetero life mate, Corey, for uh, joining me as a co-host on this one. I'm giving you the buddy fingers. That's uh, as dirty as it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> giving you the buddy fingers. Use your imagination, people. <laughs> All right. This has been an episode of FlexX Raid. Good night, Internet. Bye. Bang. Hi there, I hope you enjoyed listening to our show, FlixX Raid. If you liked what you heard, I hope you will subscribe and give us a review on your favorite podcasting app. Also, look for us at www.flixxraid.com for more. Or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the handle at FlixXRaid. 